Welcome everybody, YankeeChronicles.com. Good morning, I'm Bobby, I'm joined with Evan, and we want to thank you for joining us on YouTube. Just remember to like, share, comment, and before you, uh, after you watch this video, if you can click on the link below for, and visit um, StatementGames.com. Uh, it's a great website that offers a unique fantasy sports platform and it should be definitely something you would enjoy with the postseason, uh, the playoffs for the NFL. And just remember that link is down below. And also, again, check out docadamsbaseball.org and learn about the history of the founder of baseball. So, Evan, we decided that we wanted to come on today after the news came out yesterday from multiple sources about the frustration from LeMahieu's camp. Yeah. Is this something that's being fabricated by the media because they're running out of things to write about? Or do you think that this is a, a legit frustration from LeMahieu's party? I think it's a little bit of both, but usually when something like this happens, it's because um, the market is so weak uh, that LeMahieu's agents are probably trying to get leverage back in the situation and put pressure on the Yankees. The only issue with that is they're the Yankees. You're not going to put pressure on them to do anything um, outside their time frame. So DJ needs to figure out if he has those other teams and he's willing to go to it, then he needs to, you know, go do that and probably release the contract offer that they give him so that the Yankees know there is an offer out there. Because right now, um, from a fan point, and we don't know, we're not actually in the game. We're not sitting in the meetings. We're not, you know, talking. We're only dissecting what we read, uh, what our opinion is, and, and what we look into. Um, so we don't actually know what DJ's market is. Maybe he has talked to other teams. I haven't heard anything. I don't really know who his suitors are beyond the Dodgers, the Mets, and whatever. But I don't think the Mets are serious in a player like him. I think they need a player like um, Springer a lot more than they need DJ LeMahieu. Uh, so it's, it's one of those things where I think DJ is trying to get his contract because if you remember when he first tried to get a contract two years ago and signed with the Yankees for two at 24, he was looking for four, four years, uh, $68 million which is basically what the Yankees tried to offer him at the beginning of this offseason. Yeah. So frustrated. He's, he's been an MVP candidate for two years in a row. And before that, in his Colorado years, he was a very good player that no one knew about. He has a platinum gold glove. He has two batting titles and a bunch of other stuff. And no one really respects him in this game for whatever reason, because he's not a charismatic superstar like a Bryce Harper. He's a quiet, shy guy who goes out and does the job well. Yeah, he's, he's, he shows up at the park, he does his job, he goes home. You know, he's not a, a big media guy. You know, you don't see it, you know, which is good because you, you don't have the, the, the scandalous part of him being out in the public. You know, he keeps it very, you know, keeps himself, you know, keeps his life very close to the vest. And the, the holdup, you know, we could speak until we're blue in the face on how we kept saying with that fifth year, make it a player option. You know, both sides will win, you know, and because we know he's going to take it, you know, unless the team completely crumbles, he's going to stay in the Bronx. 
He might stay in the Bronx anyway because he enjoys it here so much. He's made a, you know, at the, right at the off season. Both sides made it clear that they wanted this to work out, but they can't work it out. And that's where the frustration has hit a boiling point. Well, I think the issue for the Yankees is they really have a line drawn in the sand for what they want to spend because of that, you know, cap. Um, if they give DJ exactly what he wants, so say they give him the five years 110, that leaves them basically six to eight million dollars a year this year to work with. And I'm sorry, but that creates a very big hole. And I think what they're trying to do is have the first year be lower so that they can fill some of those holes. Because like we talked about before, they have maybe three holes on this team. You know, you need to bring in another pitcher. We, we need that contact hitter in DJ LeMahieu because we, we don't have one on this team other than him. Okay, if you're not going to use Andujar, who is a doubles machine, then we really don't have anyone who can't do anything but hit home runs and strike out. And that's not going to win you a championship because those strikeouts start to really add up. You know, you yeah. can't have these one, two, three innings where you're striking out or where there's bases loaded and Gary Sanchez comes up and strikes out. It's like yeah. he strikes out and hits the grand slam and does nothing. It's like you can't have that anymore. No, and, you know, that brought up the other point we were talking about earlier is with the rotation and the bullpen. You know, you still have to replace the roles of Paxton, Tanaka, you know, in the rotation. You still have to fill in the hole where Canley was in the bullpen, you know, which is why when, when Hendricks signed yesterday, when he came out last night, you know, whether the Yankees were showing strong interest or not, the fan point of view is like that's somebody else now, not a, not an option to fill a hole in the pitching you know roster. It's like, what is Cashman waiting for? When is he going to start putting this team together? Because you can't wait until the last minute and have everybody have a commodity. And that's what wins championships. You need that camaraderie within the players. Doesn't matter how you could have a, a Hall of Fame in every position. Yeah. If they are not in, in sync with each other, it, it's all it's it's mm -hmm. all for that. And that's why the '90s teams work so well, because like you just said, you don't want a Hall of Famer in every position. You want guys that can work well together and, and, and do what they need to do uh, during you know, the game. Um, you had Tino Martinez. Was he a superstar first baseman? No, I'd say he's an all-star, a very good all-star. Yeah. But he's not even on the level of Don Mattingly. And yet you had him be a significant reason for why we won a World Series. Same with Scott Brocious. Shane Spencer was a backup outfielder. The fourth. You know, Knobloch was another one. You know, it just, they just gelled. Yeah. Then you look at that bullpen, Jeff <coughs> Mendoza. I mean, those were not yeah. superstars, but they were for us because we needed them to do what they did. El okay. Duque, was that a superstar pitcher? He's a guy who lied about his age and was probably six <laughs> years older than what he was when he was. <laughs> so, you know, he was yeah. unbelievable to me. You know, exactly. You know, but it just clicked. You didn't need to talk to your teammate because your teammate already knew what you were thinking. You know, yeah. they, they knew – and that's that's what the Yankees are missing with this with this run, right? That they have the talent to get to the postseason, but they don't have the camaraderie 
to go to that to that ultimate plateau of winning a World Series. Right. Look at Jorge Posada, for example. Was he the best catcher? No, he wasn't. But everyone on the team trusted him with their lives. Yeah. He was a silent leader. Maybe not the captain because that went to Jeter, but captain number two, that was Jorge Posada. Yeah. Yeah. And so and I think that's what DJ is. I really think that's what DJ is, and I think that's why we need him. I mean, he goes out there, he he leads by example, he gets along with everyone, and he doesn't cause any conflict. That's exactly what we need on this team. And it's like they're gonna fight over twenty million dollars or an extra year or this or that. It's ridiculous to me. I don't care, just pay him. You know, I, I know LeMahieu's not a homegrown guy, and the press I'm gonna bring up was. Um but as far as with how the, you know the the role that they play with that silent leadership, reliable. At the end of the game, you always want you know when you saw he was coming up in the ninth inning, you had a breath of fresh air. You were able to take a breath, and that was Barney Williams. You know, just that that clutch that clutch hitter that was. You, might not have always succeeded, but he was gonna get. He was gonna give you an at bat that you remembered. You know, that's what LeMahieu is to this generation of fans. Yeah, yeah. you know, and that's yeah, why no, I agree. I agree, and it, it, it thinks that we didn't have him for his whole career because, like you said, if you're a homegrown Yankee, it's just a different feel, and they love you that much more. Yeah, but he came in here and won us within the first five games. I mean. I predicted in uh, December that he should be the next Yankee and that we should go after him because he was a good contact hitter and we needed a second baseman. And I've loved him since his Colorado days. And I knew the Yankees fans would love him. And honestly, he's like Derek Jeter for us. He, he That's how he plays. And that's why we love him so much. I actually think he's a better uh, defender than Jeter is. He plays every position. Yeah. And it's it's really hard – for especially for Yankee fans, you know, when you when you try to look back at that dynasty in the '90s, you know, when you look at this core of players, when you saw that you had, you know, Williams and you had Jeter, Posada, Rivera, Pettit, do you think that that group of homegrown superstars? is giving the Yankee organization tunnel vision that they could hit that lightning twice with this group. In a way, I think it's really hard for Cashman to, to give up on certain players. I also think that he has, his biggest weakness is his ability to uh, scout and identify which pitcher should come in. He constantly brings in guys who have, you know, already had injuries or who throw really hard so they're probably going to have more injuries I mean look at all the pitchers he's brought in in the past none of them really turn into superstars except for maybe CC Sabathia yeah um uh and uh Messina I guess I don't know if he brought Messina here but um it, it, it's it's frustrating because I think that he is scared to give up on some of that talent because he knows that it's difficult for him to get that talent back. Um, but with a player like Castillo, everything is near perfect to trade. Yeah. He's the perfect age. He's never had health issues. I know he pitches really hard, but 
I, I don't know why I have the feeling that Castillo for us would, would be something incredibly special that I would be willing to give up three top 10 prospects for. Yeah. I, I, I think a, yeah, I think Castillo would really fit well in this rotation. Uh, I think when you have Cole Castillo, Garcia, and hopefully Severino back uh, to, to his, his form. Yeah. I, I think, you know, then Montgomery to close it up in the five spot. And Herman is still here, unfortunately, but he's here, so. Yeah. Well, he's another one that you really haven't heard any updates on of what their stance is with him. So it's hard, hard to really. Yes, but you've, you've it, heard that he's doing well in winter ball. He's doing very well in winter ball, so that's mm-hmm. a positive sign. But I agree. We have heard nothing from the Yankees as far as how they feel about moving forward with him. No, that you know, and that's the other issue that has us frustrated is the, the Yankees' communication is terrible. Terrible. You know, it, there's no interaction at all. They everybody, it's, everybody's tight-lipped. Nobody wants to give him, you know. And you had said on Sunday, you know, it's not like they're going to tell, you know, they're going to show their hands so everybody knows what they're doing. Yep. But at the same time, give us a give us a little crumble of something, so we have something to look forward to. Well, also, like I was talking about before, some information is smart information. You want to put some stuff out there so that you can manipulate the market and work it in your favor. They really don't tell us anything or do no. that ever. It's like they wait for the other team side to get pissed off, and then they come out with a comment, oh, well, we just doing it this way. Like, it's, it's very frustrating as a fan, especially when this has probably been the most dreadful offseason in a five-year stretch where we've had two other dreadful off-seasons. I mean, this is three terrible in five years. It's getting yeah. to the point where as fans, we just want to go back to what seemed normal in an off-season where teams are spending money and doing what they're supposed to do. Because if you look at the NBA and NFL and even hockey, most of the moves happen within a week or two. There's no dragging on period. There's no yeah. none of this. And for some reason, those people are able to do it in two weeks and still get their money and get it done the proper way. But baseball can't do it. Baseball needs to literally be a sport that is only off for about a month and a half in a year. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And it it leads me to be curious of how other fan bases of other teams look at this offseason, you know, or the the previous offseasons and – the lack of movement, you know, lack of steady movement, I'll say, where you're going into spring training and you don't even know who's going to be playing in a position. You know, it's it's something that baseball, and we've said it over and over again, baseball really needs to work on how they're going to structure their, their offseason. So not only do players want to know where they're playing, but so do the fans. You know, I think Danny Machado is the best example of that because look yeah. at how awful his free agency was. I mean, it was, he went from Chicago to Philadelphia and then in like February or March finally signed with the Padres, who that was pretty much their only move that year. Um, that's tough. <laughs> you know, that's, that's yeah. tough because when you're, when you're that caliber player, you just expect every team to be like, oh, I want him. 
That's not the case if the team doesn't want to spend that type of money. And over the last five years, owners have really been stingent on not paying that amount of money. They, they, they are not as patient as they used to be. Now they, you know, I mean, they're more patient now. They used to just, I want this player, I'm going to get him, which is how George Steinbrenner did it. Yeah. Now they just, mm-mm. They'll wait. Every team will wait now, and that is not something we used to see. You know, you, you have spring training starting, or the regular season starting, or, you know, approaching towards the end of spring training. Key free, you know, key free agents, is, you know, sometimes are still, you know, still on the market. Who's going to buy a ticket to a ball game if they don't even know who's playing on, you know, who's going to be their second baseman? You know, nobody's going to buy tickets to a team with an incomplete roster. You know, so that's the other – I think that's another factor they're not looking at. I think they're looking at the fact that fans might not be in the stadium again next year. I think the owners are really, really scared of coming into this offseason having lost all the money that they did, spending money, and then going into another season and having the same thing happen again. I think that's a strong reason why – a lot of teams, especially the Yankees, aren't doing that, um, which is dumb because with the Yankees, do they really have to worry about it as much as the Marlins or Tampa Bay does? Yeah. No one's out there buying Tampa Bay jerseys at yeah. the alarming rate that they are Yankees jerseys. I mean, that is one small factor where the difference is huge. Yeah. You know, it's the, the merchandise, you know, jersey sales, you know, stickers and, you know, what have you, yeah, you know. Last week, the Cole jersey shot up to, like, number one in jersey sales yeah. in the first couple of months of him being on the team. He didn't even throw a pitch yet. Yeah. You know, I have, you know, a, a pretty, you know, pretty good collection of Yankee, you know, things, and all, you know, and all the, you know, balls and uh glasses coffee cups yeah you know and i want to keep building on that but i'm not gonna get i'm not gonna run out and buy you know uh, a, a lemayhu portrait if i don't even know if he's still going to be on the team exactly yeah you know, so you're, you're cutting your nose off to, you know despite your face and it's it's really it's it's becoming a bigger issue than people want to admit yeah, I don't really buy jerseys that much. I do for baseball, but for other sports like football, for example, I don't. And the first football jersey I ever bought was a Jamal Adams um, Jets jersey. Okay. Then they traded him. <laughs> so now I'm never buying a football jersey again because they're, they're way too fickle over there. Yeah, I think it was Joe Beningo was a, was a guy. He wouldn't buy a jersey unless – it might have been Evan Roberts, but it was mentioned on, on their show before Joe retired. Yeah. That they only wear – one of them only wears a jersey for a player that contributed and they were done with their career. You know, so there was no jinxing the player, you know. Yeah. And I think, you know – there was, which leads to you know it, it might be a, a a fun discussion for another episode with sports superstitions, mm-hmm. you know, oh, rituals. Great topic. You know, and that's yeah. being that they're not giving us any signs, you know, any players being signed to really talk about. That might be something we uh, we discuss in the future. Yep, that's and, a good uh, one. we might do that on our. Uh, we we might try to do that on on our our Sunday. 
I think that's a good Sunday topic. Yes. Yeah. 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 So if you're watching this, tune in on Sunday because that'll be a that'll be a fun discussion. So one of my favorite players of all time. This came from childhood. I was, I don't know, fourteen or fifteen when we got him. Uh, Matsui. Yeah. Uh, he was the first jersey that I ever bought with my own money from a job. So I saved up to buy this jersey. It was expensive as hell back then, and I bought it. And I before school, I used to stop at this this uh, New York deli and uh, the guy behind the deli, Joe, because every deli is Joe's deli, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so, Joe, when I bought this jersey, used to make fun of me. He's like, oh, you're going to get this stupid Japanese player. He's going to be out of here in like a year. He's going to suck this and that. Six or seven years later, when Matsui was the MVP of the World Series, yeah. I went in and I shoved the jersey back in Joe's face and said, you can suck it. <laughs> I waited seven years to do that. He remembered me too, so it was. It that's was, awesome. That's even better. Yeah. You're like, who are you? <laughs> no, he remembered me. Um, all right, well, that's gonna wrap this episode up. Tune in again tomorrow. We'll be back again. Uh, we're gonna be trying to give you more episodes, every, you know, throughout the week. Give you guys a little something to, to to watch and listen and talk about. And just remember, drop a comment below if there is something you want us to bring up specifically. So on behalf of YankeeChronicles.com, I want to hope everybody has a good day. Stay safe. Stay smart. Have a good day. Take care, guys.